Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It is day 284 of our three-year journey through God's Word, and that brings us to Deuteronomy chapter 29. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you for the gift of life that we have in your Son, Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God made flesh, our Savior, our Salvation, our Redeemer, our King. Father, show us Christ as we look at your word today and draw us to yourself in the truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 29. These are the words of the covenant that the Lord commanded Moses to make with the people of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant that he had made with them at Horeb. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord your Lord your God did all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, the great trials that your eyes saw, the signs and those great wonders. But to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out. And your sandals have not worn off your feet. You have not eaten bread and you have not drunk wine or strong drink that you may know that I am the Lord your God. And when you came to this place, Sihon, the king of Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, came out against us to battle, but we defeated him. We took their land and, and gave it for an inheritance to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of the Manassites. Therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. You are standing today, all of you, before the Lord your God. The heads of your tribes, your elders, and your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and the sojourner who is in your camp, from the one who chops your wood to the one who draws your water, so that you may enter into the sworn covenant of the Lord your God, which the Lord your God is making with you today, that he may establish you today as his people, and that he may be your God as he promised you, and as he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. It is not with you alone that I am making this sworn covenant, but with whoever is standing here with us today before the Lord our God, and with whoever is not here with us today. You know how we lived in the land of Egypt, and how we came through the midst of the nations through which you passed. And you have seen their detestable things, their idols of wood and stone, of silver and gold, which were among them. Beware, lest there be among you a man or woman or clan or tribe whose heart is turning away from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of those nations. Beware, lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit, one who, when he hears the words of this sworn covenant, blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. This will lead to the sweeping away of moist and dry alike. The Lord will not be willing to forgive him, but rather the anger of the Lord and his jealousy will smoke against that man, and the curses written in this book will settle upon him, 
and the Lord will blot out his name from under heaven. And the Lord will single him out from all the tribes of Israel for calamity in accordance with all the curses of the covenant written in this book of the law. And the next generation, your children, who rise up after you and the foreigner who comes from a far land will say when they see the afflictions of the land and the sickness with sicknesses with which the Lord has made it sick, the whole land burned out with brimstone and salt, nothing sown, nothing growing, where no plant can sprout, an overthrow like that of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zuboim, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and wrath. All the nations will say, why has the Lord done thus to this land? What caused the heat of this great anger? Then people will say, It is because they abandoned the covenant of the Lord, the God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt and went and served other gods and worshipped them, gods whom they had not known and whom he had not allotted to them. Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against this land, bringing upon it all the curses written in this book. And the Lord uprooted them from their land in anger and fury and great wrath and cast them into another land as they are to this day. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed, the things that are revealed, belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. And you see that last verse is highlighted because it's a very key and very important verse for Christians to know and understand and believe. Well, here we have one of the reasons why this book is called Deuteronomy is, well, it's the reason it's shown to us here in verse one. This is a second covenant, a second giving of the law. It's not a new law, but it's a second giving of the law. So the title Deuteronomy, Deutero means second, nomos means law, second law. And it's not that God is giving a second law, but he's renewing the covenant because the first law given at Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai, two names for the same mountain, that was the Ten Commandments written on the tablets of stone. And before they were written on the tablets of stone, they were spoken by the mouth of God out of the smoke and fire on the mountain. That covenant was made with the first generation, the generation that came out of Egypt in the Exodus. This is now the second generation. Those who were 20 years old or under at the time when they disbelieved the spies report and God said that everyone over the age of 20 was going to die in the desert wilderness. So if they were, you know, 20 years old or under, it's now 40 years later. So they're now 40 to 60 years old. And the older ones among them, those who were in their 50s, He's addressing here because they're the leaders of this next generation. They're the tribal chiefs and the elders who have now risen up now that the previous generation has died. Those who are in the oldest bracket, the people in their 50s, are now the ones in charge. And they themselves are old enough to have seen and remembered, right? If they were 13, 14, 15, 16 years old when these events of the Exodus happened and the giving of the law, well, now they're 53, 54, 55, 56 right up to 59 years old. They're, they're the leaders. They've seen these things. They know these things. They were there when the plagues came upon Egypt. They were there when the waters of the Red Sea parted. They saw. And so now God is renewing the covenant with them 
and making them responsible for leading Israel into the entry into the promised land. The only two left who are over 60 from that first generation, who are probably around 80 years old at this time, are Joshua and Caleb. So they're the only ones left of that first generation. But there's a sobering thing given to us in verse 4. And that is, despite all the wonders they've seen, Moses has a word of indictment for the people. And that is, to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. I've made this observation before, but it's a very common thing for people to say, if only I could have seen the miracles of the Bible. If only I could see God do a miracle, then I would believe. But what the Bible tells us is that's that's just not true. The generations who saw the most miracles, the most amazing signs and wonders from God were the Exodus generation and the generation that lived during the days of Jesus. No one in the history of the world has seen more signs and wonders and miracles than the generation of the Exodus and the generation that lived when Jesus was on earth, those under Moses and those under Christ. And yet among those generations, most people were not believers. Most people were not believers because they hadn't received the greatest miracle of all, which is to be given a heart to understand and eyes to see and ears to hear. And what we miss in our craving for signs and wonders and miracles of the Bible, what we miss is that God today is doing regularly, repeatedly, daily, the greatest miracle of all, giving people new hearts so they can understand new eyes so they can see, and new ears so they can hear. That's the great miracle of salvation, and that's something that only God can do. Now, God's done all sorts of other things for this generation. He's led them for 40 years in the wilderness, and they have the same clothes. Imagine having the same clothes you had when you were 18 years old, and now you're 58 years old, and your clothes haven't worn out. Your sandals haven't worn out. You've never eaten bread prepared by human beings, you know, in a normal way. You've never had wine or strong drink or any sort of human beverage, not even coffee. Not even coffee. Really? Yeah. You could think of it as strong drink, I suppose. No, seriously. What were they sustained by? They were sustained by manna from heaven and water from the rock. That means they were living entirely on the Lord. He said he did this for them so that they would know, I am the Lord. He would know that they would know that he was the Lord, their God. And not only that, but after being sustained by a diet entirely of manna from heaven and water from the rock, yes, there was quail once or twice, but largely for 40 years, it was manna from heaven, water from a rock. They come in and they have great victory over two great kings, Sihon, the king of Heshbon, Og, the king of Bashan. They go out into battle and they defeat them and they gain a large territory for inheritance over great mighty kings because God wanted them to know him, the Lord, their God. And so he calls them to enter into covenant. He calls them, come, enter into covenant. I want to establish you today as my people and that I might be your God, verse 13, that I might keep the promise that I swore to your fathers. And it's not just with you, who are the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's with all those who are standing here today. That would include some of the mixed multitude that came out of Egypt, as well as some who had joined into the group as they traveled along. This group, 
God says, I'm making covenant with all of you. It's not about ethnic lineage. It's not about natural descent. It's about God's covenant and entering into covenant. Not only this, but all those who are not there today, which is further generations. God's calling them to enter into covenant with him. But you see, they won't really be able to enter in unless they're given a new heart, unless they're given eyes to see and ears to hear. So God is calling them with the word externally, but he needs to call them internally in their spirit to see. And he warns them. He warns them because he knows if their hearts remain hard, they can see all the miracles in the world and they won't get it. They won't turn to him. So he warns them, beware, beware, a double beware. Beware lest there be among you a man or a woman, tribe or a clan whose heart is turning away. Beware lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous or bitter fruit. And what does that look like? Here's what it looks like. The quote is given to us in verse 19. Someone who says, I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. Someone who says, yes, I hear the word of God. I hear the covenant requirements. I hear the commandments. I hear the blessings. I hear the curses. But you know what? I'm going to be okay. I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. Though I do what I want to do and not what the Lord wants me to do, I'm still going to be okay. And God says, Oh, no, you're not. Oh, no, you're not. You will not be okay. You will be cursed in such a way that in time to come, people will be shocked and stunned and wonder what happened here. Forsaking the Lord and going our own way in the stubbornness of our heart leads to disastrous calamity. It's not going to be okay. So we're told in the end, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. Now this may sound disconnected to what comes before. What does this have to do with what comes before? Well, here's the thing. Why do people go after other gods and serve the gods of the nations? Because the gods of the nations have promised to give them something which God himself has not revealed. God wants his people to live by faith, trusting in him alone. That's why for 40 years in the desert wilderness, he fed them with manna from heaven. He, he satisfied their worst, their thirst with water from the rock and their clothes didn't wear out and their sandals didn't wear out. He wanted them to see that their sustenance, food, water, clothing was going to be from the Lord. Victory in battle was going to be from the Lord. And he wanted them to depend on him. But we want to know, is the rain going to come? Is the harvest going to be good? Am I going to have an abundant crop? Am I going to be able to make a profit? Am I going to be able to be prosperous and successful? God says, trust me. And we say, okay, I'll trust you, but, but I really want to know what's coming. And God says, I will be faithful if you will trust me. And we say, okay, we trust you, but but I really want to know. And so in the stubbornness of our heart, we seek after the things of the world to put our trust in. And God says, when you do that, you're not trusting me. So God says, there are secret things. What are the secret things? What's coming tomorrow? You and I don't know what's coming tomorrow. 
if you're old enough to remember 9-11-2001, that morning when you woke up, did you have any idea that that was what was going to happen that day? No, right? I mean, none of us knew. None of us had any idea. What's coming in the future is belongs to the Lord. And it's false gods, it's idols, who will make promises to reveal those things to us. But the heart that waits on the Lord will say, I will trust you. I will do what you command. I will walk by faith. I will obey you by your grace and for your glory. And I will trust you for the things I cannot see. This is a definition of faith. Will we trust the Lord and his promises more than what our eyes can see? Or will we have eyes to see what is unseen? And that is that God is in control and we can trust him. Or will we only have eyes to see what we can see and only trust in those seen things? That's, I think, what the Lord is saying to us through this passage today. Will we let our anxiety and our stubbornness of heart control us to the point where we're going to say, I have to have control. Or will we say, Lord, I trust you. You will bring what is good for me in your due time. And I will take the things revealed and I will do them in obedient faith. Will we? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that is powerful, living, and active. Thank you for the challenge it brings to us. Thank you for the comfort that it brings to us. You have revealed your will to us that we may walk in the truth. And the things that are hidden and secret, they're in good hands. They're in your hands. They're in your hands. Help us to trust you for them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tomorrow we're going to go right on to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Hope you can join us for that. And as always, of course, have a blessed day in the Lord.